Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. Jesus once told Satan that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.org or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. If you desire, you can also follow us on YouTube and Twitter. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here is Pastor Visser with our next Bible study. But the Ninevites became whores, did they not? Because of the multitude or magnitude of thy whoredoms of the well-favored harlot. Well-favored. That was where the desire of the Ninevites was, towards harlotry. Is that not where the desires of America is today, when it pertains to having a woman ruler over us? Because of the multitude of thy whoredoms of the well-favored harlot. Well-favored. Is not Hitlery a well-favored harlot? Indeed she is. The mistress of witchcraft. Interesting usage of the word witchcraft. Is it not because there is proof that Hillary also is a witch? And what else does she do? She sells nations through her whoredoms. She sells nations through her whoredoms. Turn with me to Revelation. And we're going to take a look at this. In Revelation chapter 17, we're going to look at the whore of Babylon. And I want you to see how similar... She is to Huzop, the queen of Nineveh. In Revelation chapter 17, we read, beginning in verse 1, There came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Same word, whore and or harlot. And that, my friend, biblically, is usually the definition of any woman that rules over men, according to God's law. What are her sins and lovers? The whore of Babylon, verse 2. With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So she carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-covered beast, having names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. What's her name? Upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and the abominations of the earth. The abominations of the earth. So as it is that Huzab is considered the mother of abominations and filth, so also it is for the latter whore of Babylon. Are they different? Not really. We're dealing with a spirit. And the spirit of a feminist upbraided woman is to rule over the Most High. To rule over the stars of God, which truly are His messengers and or His prophets. But back here in Nahum 3, verse 4, 
Because of the multitude of the whoredoms of the well-favored harlot, the mistress of witchcraft, that selleth nations through her whoredoms and families through her witchcraft. Nations through her whoredoms. Did we not just read in Revelation chapter 17, verses 1 through 6, that that whore sat upon many nations? Indeed, we did. Her name was Mystery Babylon, right? But notice also, though she takes families through her witchcraft. Witchcraft. Deception. An image that is false. So we live in an era now where the government has more control over a man's family than even he does. And oftentimes, if they have an opinion that leans a little bit to the right, they can lose their children. Does that sound to you like witchcraft? Well, verse 4 says that this whore, (laughs) proverbially all the Ninevites and their female ruler, will take families through her witchcraft. Destroy families. God focuses on the family. Wants to upbraid the family. Family, if you will, is a Christian term. It's outlined within the Bible. It's God's law. Christ taught it to the Pharisees. In the beginning it was not so. Man leaves mother and father and clings unto his wife. And they twain become one flesh. So God's way is family. Man and woman becoming one flesh. Witchcraft denotes destruction of the family. Sorcery denotes perversion of the family. Do you think Hillary, who's pro-transgender, pro-homosexual, all the while professing to be a Christian but being a witch, might have something to do with this final battle? Well, let's keep reading. No matter what we as a nation do, Yahweh God will pronounce judgment. And it's my opinion that we're living in an era now where a majority of people, they don't hearken unto the warnings of God. Nahum provided us a warning. Because what he discusses is a city that goes after exactly what we're going after now. And all of these things that we've outlined, murder, lying, deception, the destroying of the family unit, becoming drunk with fornication and harlotry, (laughs) whether that's gayness or free love, quote-unquote, is what's going on in America, my friend. And if you really believe that America will not be cast down like Assyria, Rome, Egypt, and many other great empires that came before, you are deceived. The bottom line is Yahweh God is in control. And if we get a wicked ruler like Hillary then that is because we are disobedient. That is because we tolerate all these things. And if we get a possibly righteous ruler like Trump, it is because of grace. It is because we need to move on what it is that we know now to act upon the wisdom that God gives us or else what good is that wisdom? We will not have the time to preach this truth much longer. Mark my words. So God has to pronounce judgment on Nineveh. And that begins in verse 5 of Nahum chapter 3. Yahweh says, Behold, I am against thee, saith Yahweh of hosts, and I will discover thy skirts upon thy face, and I will show the nations thy nakedness, and the kingdoms thy shame. So everything that is hidden is brought to light. And every idle word or thought that we have is brought to light in the judgment of God. Now, what we're dealing with is the judgment from God. 
And we as people oftentimes like to think, well, judgment is something that happens after we die. No, judgment is what happens also during and after the overthrow of a nation. If a nation is destroyed, that means God pronounced judgment. So, national judgment happens while we live. Personal judgment happens after we die. Verse 5 says, I'm against thee. I will discover thy skirts upon thy face. This carries the symbol of whoredoms for idolatry. The worship the city was given over to. Her nakedness, quote-unquote, was to be uncovered before all nations. Meaning that while the whore sat upon many waters and or nations, and everyone said, who is like the beast? Who can make war with the beast? It's so great. It's so perfect. God brings everything to full light. Remember, in the case of Lucifer and the king of Babylon, when he's cast down to the sides of the pit, many people come and say, is this the man that deceived the entire world? That means that the entire world was deceived. And of course, you know that Yahweh God had to cut short those days so that the elect, you and I, will not be deceived. So, abstain from all appearance of evil. Go away from harlotry. Go away from whoredoms. Go away from witchcraft and sorcery. Because they ultimately will lead to destruction. Now, man can come in and say, you know what, if God sends evil into a city, then therefore, if I am evil, I'm doing the will of God. I'm not going to debate that fact. But if you're doing the will of God, woe unto you if you're doing like Judas did. If you're doing like Judas did. So, God is against them. What will He do? Verse 6. I will cast abominable filth upon thee. Did you hear it? Yahweh God says, I personally, me, God, will cast abominable filth. Abominable filth. Now, did we not just deal with that concept in Amos chapter 3. God it is who sends the filth. Men oftentimes like to give man more power than he truly has. If God appoints a ruler who is wicked, then it stands to reason that God will send mildew and blasting. God will send here, what? Bombable filth. And so we live in an America now that is tolerating a bombable filth. Filth, you know what that is. That's just dirt. That's something that is soiled. But abominable means that it is an abomination in the eyes of God. A direct violation of His law. It would be the exact opposite. If God says, Thou shalt have no other gods but me, then serving another god is an abomination. If God says, Thou shalt do no murder, then killing, premeditatively, is an abomination. Therefore, God will cast abominable filth upon him. God will give them over, like we read in the first two chapters of Romans, to a reprobate heart, a reprobate mind. God will give them what it is that they so desire. Now, in the case of Nineveh, they desired populous no. They desired a God that was not Yahweh. Therefore, he must pronounce judgment. Part of the judgment is him, himself, de facto, casting abominable filth. And, continuing on. I will cast abominable filth upon thee and will make thee vile and will set thee as a gazing stock. Just like that final head that goes into perdition. Just like the son of perdition who deceiveth the entire world. It is brought to light and many men and women scratch their head and say, oh, I thought that was Jesus. But in reality, it was Satan. It was Amun-Ra. 
It was Molech, like we've discussed today. It was Dagon, but it wasn't the God of the Bible. So whose fault is that? If God appoints a wicked ruler, and God appoints a righteous ruler, that is then to test your heart or mind. If you are wicked, then you will go after that which is wicked. You will promote that which is wicked. But if you are a son of God, you will not sin. Bottom line. Therefore, you will go after Yahweh first. The Ninevites did not. Therefore, God was left with no other option but to pour out abominable filth upon a wicked and violent and murderous city. God Himself cast out the abominable filth. Verse 7. And it shall come to pass, all they that look upon thee shall flee from thee, and say, Nineveh is weighed laced. Who will bemoan her? When shall I seek comforters for thee? <laughs> this is fulfilled, my friend, verse 7. Here we're told, it shall come to pass. But yet this has already happened, the destruction of Nineveh. And we live in 2016. Very few people even know what Nineveh was as a city. But the point you should understand is that Nineveh is not there. Here's the pronouncement of judgment. It shall come to pass, all they that look upon thee shall flee from thee and say, Nineveh is weighed laced. Now, Nineveh is weighed laced now. And outside of a Sunday school allegory or an example, very few people in this latter era use Nineveh as an example. Very few people are saying, wait, if we appoint a strange ruler over us, all these things will happen. If we appoint a woman over us, we will suffer the same exact fate as Nineveh. So, remember this. Nineveh's laid waste and no one's bemoaning her. No one cares. And while it was that Christ said certain cities will find less tolerance from God than even Nineveh and Sodom, very few people even remember what happened in Nineveh, Sodom, and Gomorrah, and how these cities were meant to be examples of what happens to a nation when we allow a foreign or a female ruler, when we tolerate evil, violence, deception, and murder. So, continuing on here, God is going to give an example of judgment. An example of judgment. And this, if you will, is a mini-history lesson, because this pertains to our forefathers which did eat manna. Our forefathers being the Israelites of old that were delivered Literally, taken by the hand and brought out of Egypt. Crossed the Red Sea, into the land of Canaan, and what happened? Well, something happened called the gainsaying of Kor. Where many people, our people, said, you know what? We would rather go back and have populist no serve over us. We would rather have Pharaoh as a king, as opposed to Yahweh God. And thus it is. Our people, whether they were Gentiles or Israelites of old carried the gods of the other nations. And we carried them into Nineveh. Does this remind you of America and Europe today? It should. Because a majority of people out there who profess to be Christians say, well, all gods are one. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says our God is one. And so, it's not the God of the Bible. The way of the whore of Babylon is to come in and say, you know, all gods are one. Allah, Mecca, the Muslims, ISIS... You know, all these false gods, Molech, populist, no. These gods, they're just people's interpretation. When an Asian sees Buddha, that's just Christ. That's an abomination. That's abominable filth, my friend. That's not true. And so, because 
we allow leaven within the truth because we allow false gods to come in and we allow messengers of Satan, quote unquote, to lie to us, also known as veil priests, judgment will come. If we desire lies over truth, God will give you as many lies as you desire. Therefore, we live in an apostasy. We live in a world of lies. But if you desire truth, God will upbraid you. He will give you that. And so judgment is pronounced against a false Egyptian god in verse 8. Art thou better than populous? No. Stopping. Right there. Who is populous? No. You've heard me mention him several times. This is Amon. Amon. Known as the chiefest of demons. He was an Egyptian deity. Now, there is Amun-Ra. There is Amon Amarth. And there's different variations of Amon. But what you need to know about Amon is it's pronounced Amon. Not Amen. And you're going to hear people come in and say, don't say Amen. After all, that's just saying Amon. No. Populous no means Amon. Amen is in the Bible. So because Amen and Amon sound similar does not make them one and the same. Populous no is Amon. And Populous no was the capital deity of the capital of Egypt, being Phoebes. So what you need to know is this judgment is against the false god. And judgment begins at the house of God, whether they be false or true, every time. Isn't it interesting that every time judgment is cast out, it usually begins at the false pulpit. Because God holds them more accountable. If the shepherd cause his sheep to err, that is a more grievous offense than a whore of Babylon coming in and saying all gods are one. So, verse 8 says, Art thou better than populous? No. That was situate among the rivers that had the waters about it, whose rampart was this sea, and her wall from the sea. Are you better than Ammon, the chiefest of demons? But what does Huzab do, the queen of Nineveh? Well, verse 9 says, Ethiopia and Egypt were her strength, and it was infinite. Put and Lubim were thy helpers. Who were the helpers of this harlot? Well, Put and Lubin. Put, if you look this word up in the Hebrew, is defined as a son of Ham. So we could say that the Put, or the Putites, are the descendants of the Hamites, making them descendants of Noah, who was a descendant of Adam. But Lubin is a polite way of saying Libyan, or Libya. And so what we're learning here is that the multitude of the whoredoms of the well-favored harlot center around being strengthened by Ethiopia and Egypt, dark nations, and Put and Laboom, both of which helped, helped. What we're looking at, if you will, is a proverbial new world order. Anytime a ruler, male or female alike, say, I'm going to combine every nation into one. I'm going to combine all faiths and all gods into one. Destruction comes right afterwards. And that's what we're dealing with. God says, are you better than Populous No, No, not at all. Because the majority of people today don't even know who Populous No is. In fact, they don't even know who Amon is. <laughs> but these things are hidden in plain sight. Verse 10. Yet was she carried away. 
She went into captivity. Her young children also were dashed in pieces at the top of all the streets. And they cast lots for her honorable men. And all her great men were bound in chains. This, my friend, is an example of what's going to happen. And what we're dealing with is the God populist know. And if populist know was in the capital of Egypt and ultimately ended up corrupting the Ninevites, that means, just like scripture says, that while we were strangers and sojourners in Egypt, we also brought the false calf. We brought out their false gods. And we would rather worship them as opposed to Yahweh. And all of these nations, Ethiopia, Egypt, the Libyans, and the Hamites, will assemble under one ensign. This will be one nation. There will be no more borders, no walls, no further bounds of our habitations, as Yahweh God put. What happened to populous No, What happened to every nation that followed after that false god? Verse 10, here in Nahum chapter 3. Yet she was carried away. She went into captivity. Her young children also were dashed in pieces at the top of all the streets. Notice what happened where the great men were bound in chains. Meaning that they had handcuffs on, proverbially. They were spiritually oppressed. Now, evil flourishes when good men do nothing. And we live in a society where we have bail priests who come in. And they will get you to bow to populace. No, they will get you to bow to Molech, but they will never tell you the Lord's name is Yahweh. They will never tell you that Jesus is also Yahshua. So, bear that in mind as we go along. Here in verse 10 we're told, they cast lots for her honorable men, meaning they're profitable, but they're also silenced. All her great men were bound in chains. Do you not think for a moment, if Hillary becomes president, they are going to be rounding up Christian white men and locking them up, binding them in chains? Whether proverbially or literally, it's going to happen. Again. And when it happened in the times of Nineveh, God came in and destroyed them. And when it happened in Egypt, so also God delivered and God destroyed. So how does this apply to Nineveh? This example of judgment on no? Well, that begins in verse 11. Thou also shalt be drunken. Thou shalt be hid. Thou also shalt seek strength because of the enemy. You also, is what God is saying here. Any nation that allows a woman ruler, that allows violence, that allows bloodshed within the streets, that thinks their army cannot be cast down by God, we also shall be drunken. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship, or receive quarterly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.net, where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts, or you can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, make checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry. Your donations help us to reach the lost sheep of the House of Israel, 
wherever they may be found. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all and is in all that have been renewed in his Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow him to lead your life and help to build his church so that when he returns, he will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply his words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. Now we're going to go into that apostasy because we live in rebuilt Babylon. Babylon means confusion. And that's also why it took you to Revelation chapter 17, to look deeper at the whore of Babylon, what her name means and what she does. Because she rides upon the beast, and the beast is representative of many nations, coming together as one. And she makes those nations drunk with what? The wine of her fornication. So we are told, thou also shalt be drunken. Do you think for a moment that if you profess to be a Christian and you're promoting homosexuality, for example, which the Bible condemns and says is a sin worthy of death, that you're not drunken? Perhaps this is why the Bible says over and over, awake, awake. Maybe it's time to come out of our drunkenness and or our stupor. Remember when I took you to the first epistle of Peter, we were told that our adversary, the devil, goes around like a lion as well, but we're commanded to be sober-minded. Sober-minded. This is why. Because if we live in an apostate city or nation, we're going to be drunken, no matter how much we deceive ourselves into thinking we think correctly, or we're chosen and set aside and sanctified of Yahweh God. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You are not going to escape this life without being perverted in some degree or another. So the application is this. Thou, Nineveh, shall also be drunken. Thou shalt be hid. Thou shalt seek strength because of the enemy. In this case, we've dealt with several terms. One of them is, I will cast out abominable filth upon thee, Yahweh says in verse 6. And so it stands. Here, the Ninevites will seek strength because of the enemy. So who is the enemy? Is it the Assyrian or is it Yahweh God? It's Yahweh God who will cast out the abominable filth onto them. And that abominable filth is what? Satan, the Assyrian. Therefore, understand why in the first part of this series on Nahum, I taught that Yahweh God can do evil. He can create evil even. But he has no part in evil. That is what our adversary, the devil, is meant to do. So, verse 12. All thy strongholds shall be like fig trees with the first ripe figs. If they be shaken, they shall even fall into the mouth of the eater. So, this is what God is saying. Your strongholds, your fortress, your walled city will basically be as fragile as a fig plant that has so much fruit upon it and they're so overripe that when you bump into it, all of them will fall off. All of them will fall off. So what you believe is strong is not strong in the eyes of God. Now, very soon, I'm going to be preaching on Yahshua's parable of the fig tree. But for now, understand that Jeremiah chapter 33 uses figs and fig trees as representative of our enemy. 
the Jews and many of our own people, the Judeans, who followed after strange gods. So, all the Ninevite strongholds shall be like fig trees with the first ripe figs. And that truly was the case because they are obliterated, quote-unquote, annihilated now, as per the promise of Yahweh God to make Nineveh empty, void, and waste. Empty, void, and waste. Why does it have to be emptied and void? Empty and void because that's purging. That's pouring it out. But waste, meaning complete ruin and leveled, so it can be rebuilt. The kingdom is on earth, my friend. Verse 13. Behold thy people in the midst of thee are women. Stopping right there. Thy people in the midst of thee are women. Your rulers, your kings, your queen. Here, who's up? She's a woman. That's why. You understand what we're trying to say here. And that is this. If the people in the midst of Nineveh were women, and they consented unto the matriarchs as opposed to the patriarchs, then does it not stand to reason that if we appoint a female ruler, just as we appointed a strange ruler, that all the prophecies pertaining to us appointing a woman ruler will come to pass as those prophecies pertaining to a strange ruler already have in the last eight years? If you require further study, listen to my sermon about eight, nine years old, titled Abomination of Desolation. And in that, every single thing I said would happen if we appoint a Negro ruler has happened, my friend. And that is why we're covering Nahum today. I believe the Lord will tarry. I believe Hillary will ultimately become president. And when she does, I want to be able to go back and point out, told you so, the word of God is true. All men are liars. Do not allow our people to become like women. Verse 13. Behold, thy people in the midst of thee are women. The gates of thy land shall be set wide open unto thine enemies. The fire shall devour thy bars. The fire. Not a fire. The fire. Meaning Yahweh God, whom is a consuming fire. Remember Obadiah 1. Verse 18, where we're told that even the house of Esau-Edom will be a stubble because they will be burned up. They will be restored. They also, the Edomite, will go down according to this hierarchy. They will be emptied, they will be made void, and then ultimately annihilated to bring in someone who will obey. So do not appoint women over us and do not go after the feminine spirit. The feminine spirit is considered what? At least in Revelation, the spirit of witchcraft, of harlotry, and of sorcery. So, Nineveh is asked to prepare by Yahweh God. He tells them the reason why he's completely fair. He says, for all of these sins against my law and my covenant, I'm going to destroy. And I'm applying all these other nations that came before and were destroyed to Nineveh. So that they will meet the same end. So that we in 2016 can't come in and say, well, that was those in No. That was those that were in Nineveh and Sodom and Gomorrah. That has nothing to do with America. Well, that's why it's reiterated here. That's why God goes into this, Egypt and Ethiopia, and ultimately applies it to Nineveh. But he's always perfectly fair. And in verse 14 of Nahum chapter 3, he tells them to prepare. For what? For his own judgment. For him casting out abominable filth upon them. 
Verse 14 says, Draw thee waters for the siege. Fortify thy strongholds. Go into clay and tread the mortar. Make strong the brick kiln. Make strong the brick kiln. Notice Yahweh God does not say, Well, I'm going to destroy you. Run, flee. You're going to be destroyed. There's nothing you can do. He tells the Ninevites to prepare. What is that but mercy and grace? Meaning that up until the very point that that consuming fire comes and turns flesh back into dust, grace is extended. If the Ninevites, and we are commanded by extension to draw the waters for the siege, to fortify our stronghold so they won't be like a fig tree, then God says that there's a chance that they can escape His judgment. That's grace, my friend. God is not a liar. But if He says, I'm going to destroy Nineveh, this is for you personally. Like it was for Lot in Sodom. Every resident of Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed, but Lot and his two daughters. But even Lot and his two daughters were meant to be destroyed. And there was a consequence of Yahweh God honoring Abram's intercessory prayer. So, Nineveh will be and is now desolate. But according to this prophecy, we're told in verse 15, There shall the fire devour thee, the sword shall cut thee off. It shall eat thee up like the cankerworm. Make thyself many as the cankerworm. Make thyself many as the locust. This is an allegory, a polite way of saying a parable. The Ninevites are warned that they will ultimately become like this. Canker worms and locusts. What are those? Those are both insects. And insects in Scripture usually denote Lucifer. But notice verse 15 says that the fire shall devour thee. Verse 13 says the fire shall devour thy bars. Not a fire, the fire. Important to understand because Yahweh at His return comes in brightness, in light, just as it is with Satan. That Christ said he beheld fall from heaven as lightning. Or his name, Lucifer, meaning light bearer. Or us being instructed to marvel not because Satan's own ministers can transform themselves into angels of light. There was no electricity. Light denotes fire. Our God is fire. Verse 16. Thou hast multiplied thy merchants above the stars of heaven. The canker worm spoileth and fleeth away. Merchants. It's one of the sins of Nineveh. Merchants. They put retail and wholesale above God. Does that sound like America, Costco, Ikea, Walmart, Jemco? Indeed it does. And we put all of those fake plastic things above our God. The bottom line is 98% of Americans and Europeans most likely have a 40 to 60 inch widescreen television in their home, but do not have a Bible on their coffee table. And if they do, they rarely read it. The Ninevites did not have that option. Therefore, you should understand, while they're desolate, they're destroyed, judgment against America will be so much worse, especially when Hillary becomes president. So, verse 17. Thy crowned are as the locusts, and thy captains as the great grasshoppers which camp in the hedges of the cold day. When the sun ariseth, they flee away, and their place is not known where they are. That is why the Ninevites and their army, who are ready to make war against God's army, or the saints, are all equated to insects, grasshoppers, locusts, and worms. Why? 
Because when the sun comes up, sun of righteousness being Yahshua Messiah, they cannot stand in His presence. They cannot stand the heat. And so they fly away. And they seek cool ground for their feet. And so this is what we're being told here. That there is a universal wickedness. Universal being the key word. The whore of Babylon and the queen of Nineveh, Huzab, both have one thing in common. They promote and espouse universal wickedness in place of subservience and obedience to Yahweh God. They basically, for lack of a better term, well, come in and say, worship Moloch. Moloch is a government god. They will come in and say, well, bow to populace, the god of no. That also is not Yahweh God. So beware of universal wickedness. Two keys. Abstain from all appearance of evil that encompasses wickedness. But universal wickedness is even worse. When we as a nation start taking on the problems of other nations that are cursed of Yahweh God, so also do we take on that nation's woes that we're trying to help. Therefore, we must understand God is in control. God appoints all rulers, be they good or bad. And a lot of this has to do with the shepherds, the prophets, those that are supposed to preach the truth, that are supposed to come into a city like Nineveh, as Jonah did, and say, repent! But they don't. They come in and they empower them and say, oh, it's all right, just work out your own way. God loves you no matter how you are. That, my friend, is confirmed in the final two verses of the entire book of the minor prophet Nahum. The teaching against universal wickedness. Verse 18 says, Thy shepherds slumber, O king of Assyria. Thy nobles shall dwell in the dust. Thy people is scattered upon the mountains, and no man gathereth them. No man gathereth them. But remember Yahshua, as he stood outside the gates of Jerusalem, said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem was the city that slayed all the prophets but that he proverbially would have gathered them all together under his wing as what? <laughs> he would have gathered them together as a hen does her chicks. Christ came to gather, to gather the wheat into his barn and to burn the tares. Christ came to gather that which was scattered and the Israelites of old were most assuredly scattered, sent into dysphoria. They ultimately went north over the Caucasus Mountains, and settled the majority of Europe. But we're told that the Assyrian shepherds even slumber. The Assyrian. Thy noble shall dwell in the dust. Well, that makes sense, considering that Adam was created of the dust of the ground. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. From dust we are created, to dust we will return. Final verse is this. There is no healing of thy bruise. Thy wound is grievous. All that hear the brute of thee shall clap the hands over thee. For upon whom has not thy wickedness passed continually? Upon whom has it not passed upon? Universal wickedness. Universal wickedness passes on to everybody because it's just that universal. It's globally accepted. And that, my friends, is what was in the heart of Huzab, the queen of Nineveh. So, locusts are used of God, and they usually denote demons, devils. And in this case, we're dealing with the Assyrian, who is also Satan. So it's very fitting analogy. 
But turn with me to Revelation chapter 9. This is the fifth trumpet. In Revelation chapter 9 we read, beginning in verse 1, The fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. Stopping right there. Christ said he beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Did he not? Luke chapter 10 verse 18. The fifth angel sounded here in Revelation chapter 9, and he saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. Who do you think that would be? Satan. And unto him was given the key of the bottomless pit. The key to open that up. And he opened the bottomless pit and there arose a smoke out of the pit. Pay close attention. As the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the pit smoke. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. The mark of the beast is 666. They are owned by the Assyrian. They are owned by Lucifer and Satan. But also, when Satan is cast down... From heaven, and we read about this also in the book of Revelation and Genesis chapter 2. When he is cast down, what you need to understand is he had the key of the bottomless pit. And when he opens that pit, smoke comes out. Not fire, but smoke. And then from that smoke come what? Locusts. So locusts are used of God and they represent devils. They are always used in judgment. Here, in Revelation chapter 9, the judgment is against those that took the mark of the beast. And those that have the seal of God are protected. They overcome. They are they that hate the whore, that make war with she who rides upon the beast. So I'd like to end this entire four-part study with two passages. The first is this. I really want to confirm that it is a New Testament teaching. That women should not be rulers. In Paul's first letter to Timothy, chapter 2, we read in verse 12. I, Paul speaking, suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Now, some men could take this, run with it, and abuse women. But what I want to point out is that a woman is not to usurp Authority over the man. Authentio is this word, usurp. And it means to have power over, to be in charge, to be a leader. So, while it is that women should not be preachers, and while it is that they are not to be rulers, Paul says they are to be in silence in reference to that. They are to be silent in church, regarding the pastor, and in politics regarding the leader. But not at all times. So bottom line, no women rulers according to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. And finally, the last point I want to make is found in the first epistle of John. All of what we discussed today was grievous. And Christ even taught that the way of the Pharisee is to yoke men with commands that are grievous to be born. But there is freedom and liberty within the truth. And Christ, of course, is that truth. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. 
So, what I want you to understand and what I want to end on is a statement from Loving John, and it's found in his first epistle. The first epistle, which is considered general of John, but the last, meaning the fifth chapter, we read in verse 3. This is the love of God, John says, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. Yahweh's commandments are not grievous. That's the point. He's not going to give you more than you can handle. Had Sodom and the cities round about it, had Nineveh and the cities round about it, had Egypt even, and its surrounding cities all kept the commandments of Yahweh God, God would not have had to send the Assyrian. God would not have to pronounce judgment. God would not have to destroy them with fire and leave them as an example for future successive generations to now. Now, we are blind. We are called the wicked. We are drunk. We are called to be sober-minded. So my opinion in this latter era is to do just that. Inasmuch as it is possible, be sober-minded. That means always look for these signs that are given you. If we have a woman president, don't be surprised if America turns into Nineveh of old. And don't be surprised when the judgment of God being fired from heaven is poured out, we suffer a worse fate than the Ninevites did. A word to the wise should be sufficient. And so, until next time, I hope that this entire four-part series looking into the minor prophet Nahum has edified you and helped you strengthen your studies and also prepared you for what's to come, what is on the horizon. So, if we must cast a lot, let it be for righteousness. But a boat for evil is still evil. And we will be destroyed in the fire because we are accountable for that beast that the whore rides upon. So, until next time, this is Pastor Visser from Brooks, Georgia, and the Covenant People's Church and Outreach, wishing you and yours great studies, war for Christ. Amen. Covenant People's Ministry! Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website or write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. We thank you for your prayers and offerings and pray that all of you have been touched by these messages and continue to spread the word of the gospel with your friends and family. Thanks again and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.